I'm Pastor Al Deschano, and welcome to the sixth episode of Of Interest. Today is September 23rd, 2020, and this week I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to give you an update on some of the interesting things that have been going on in my life and ministry, and that's pretty much all we'll have time for, so strap in and let's go. Well, I think it's an understatement to say that it's been an eventful week. If you've been following along in my sermon blog or my Patreon or you know me personally, you'll know that things have been pretty eventful for a little while now. Pretty interesting to keep to the podcast theme, like even for a few years. Most recently, as in like this past Tuesday, I posted a sermon that I entitled My Last Sermon Ever, which I admit was a little clickbaity, but really that last that sermon was what it was all about. It was a message that began with the premise, if this is the last time I'll ever stand in a pulpit, what is the message I want to go out on? And it ended up being a journey through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7. If you're interested, I'm afraid you'll have to read it, because the church I delivered it in did not have any audio capabilities. But I think it's worth a read. And as it turns out, that actually was my last sermon, at least as pastor of Beckwith Baptist Church. Last night, the membership of the church met and decided that I wouldn't be their pastor anymore. Then I got called at home from the moderator telling me the news and that I don't ever need to come back. So I'm done. No goodbye, no party, no nothing. There are certainly going to be a few surprised people on Sunday, but maybe not, since word tends to travel fast. I've always heard that if you want to keep something secret in the church, the only way to do it for sure is to put it in the bulletin. Can I just say that modern Baptist Christianity is really weird? It's so weird to me that a group of people that I've pastored and taught and wept with and wept for, that have called myself my church family and friends, would have a meeting where they would determine my cost-benefit value and then vote to tell me that I'm not really worth having around anymore. Not exactly what the Bible says, but hey, that's Baptists for you. Of course, I'm not the only pastor who's gone through this. In fact, I've had a lot of conversations with ministers who have been going through similar things, and we all tell the same story. When we come to the church, there's an installation service that basically is like a wedding of pastor and church, each committing themselves to each other with vows and celebrations and cake. Then in the end, there's some backroom conversations, and no one can look the pastor in the eye on Sunday, and a few secret meetings, and then an evening vote, and a phone call from someone saying that the divorce is final, and you're not in the family anymore. It's strange. It's rough. It's weird. But such is the road of ministry for many. I'm not alone. So I figured that in this episode, I'd do a quick FAQ for interested people and to share a bit of my perspective. Now, keep in mind, this is pretty raw. I only got the call last night, so I'm going to try to be careful. I'm going to try to speak graciously and kindly and controlled and use godly words. No gossip. But this podcast is also sort of a bit of a personal journey, too. So I'll try to strike a balance. So the first question that most folks ask is, how are you doing? I'm actually okay. A little unraveled, but not as much as you'd think. 
If you know my story, then you'll know that one defining characteristic of my 16 years of pastoral ministry has been going through a lot of hurt at the hands of church people, and suffering even more from the well-meaning ones who want to help but didn't really do it with biblical wisdom. But my motto has always been, keep going, keep showing up, keep eating the hurt, keep praying, keep preaching, keep meeting, keep trying to live a godly, blameless life as an elder in the church. That way, when all hell breaks loose at the church, and it did multiple times, at least I could stand before God and say, I tried. Lord, I tried. I did everything as biblical as I could, and I took as much abuse as the people doled out, and I believe I can stand before you as blameless as I can. So I'm doing okay. I'm exhausted by hurt. I'm sad that people believed lies about me. Nervous about my future. And I'm pretty confused about the whole thing, but there's also a sense of relief and an anticipation for what God's going to do now. I've gotten some wonderful texts and emails of support from people in the church and in the community and really believers around the world, so that's been really nice. God has been super gracious to me. I've had lots of fond memories of the church come up in my mind and, and been reminded of them. I, I, I know lots of wonderful people that are there and that love me and they, that they love Jesus. Sometimes these things happen. And as sad as it is, God never gives us more than we can handle. And he has the power to turn every difficult thing into something that works for his glory and our good. Now, I know it's going to take me a little while for me to process all my emotions, grieve all the negative stuff, reflect on the positive stuff, and discover what's next, but it's just how it is. And I know Jesus will be walking with me every step of the way. So how am I? I'm okay. second question is usually, what happened? I gotta be careful here because I don't want to gossip or slander or spread misinformation or come across as bitter, but I think it's valuable to answer the question as best I can. So I would say that there were three major contributing factors. The first was a deeply bitter person who was enslaved with a spirit of unforgiveness. Despite multiple attempts from the church people trying to deal with it in a biblical way, that bitterness ended up turning into rage, which led to Satan to use them to spread gossip and lies and slander and fear-mongering among the congregation. Some of the people swallowed that drama like, as Proverbs 18.8 says, like choice morsels. And that fear and bitterness started to spread like cancer. I tried to fight it, preach against it, meet about it. But so much of it was in secret meetings and secret emails and phone calls. It was impossible. Eventually, it became almost the only thing the church was talking about, which ended up crippling ministry. The second contributing factor would have been, I would call it a wolf in sheep's clothing that came into the church, got into leadership, and then when forced to make a decision about whether or not to respect and obey the pastor, the church, and the government, they chose not to. And they left the church to start their own thing, taking most of the ministry leaders with them. That was a tough blow, especially when people were already reeling from all the other drama and we were in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And the third factor really was COVID. As I said in many of my sermons, this pandemic has been a refining and a revealing fire that's shown a lot of people their strengths and weaknesses, where the, the golden dross is in their life. If you were addicted to something, those addictions grew. But if you had self-control, it protected you. If you struggled with fear and worry and anxiety before, it took you over. But if you came into the pandemic with a strong faith, it took over. If you were in a relationship 
and had issues with your home or your friends or your family, the cracks in those relationships expanded. But if your relationships were strong, they got even stronger. If there was, you know, a panicked conspiratorial distrust of a, a certain group of people, a, a racism in your heart, or or hatred of a religion, or, or, or fear of the government, all that started coming out in spades. But if you came in with a humble heart, it protected you. If you were secretly greedy or gluttonous, then wow, did that ever show. Remember the toilet paper? But if you were generous and kind, then you shone like a star. I think COVID was a refining and a revealing fire for a lot of people in a lot of churches. And I think a lot of Christians and churches failed the test. I read an article this week saying that by some current estimates, about one third of the people who were attending church before the pandemic will never go back. That is a refining fire. So those three things, colliding, a bitter gossip, an arrogant wolf, and a refining fire pandemic all sort of contributed to me being where I'm at today. So, Ali, you're saying you did nothing wrong? I wouldn't say that. I wish I would have been more proactive against the gossip. I wish I would have planted my feet a little more strongly on some important issues that I felt were going to be a problem, but I just didn't have the strength to argue about. I wish I would have called more people individually more often during the height of the pandemic instead of waiting for the congregational Zoom meetings. If there's one thing that's wrong with my quote-unquote ministry style is that I tend to lean too much toward preaching and teaching and classes and leadership meetings and strategic thinking and evangelism and all that rather than meeting personally with people. I can excuse it by saying that I was built as a prophet, preacher, teacher, knowledge guy, but the truth remains that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I don't think I share my love with people often enough in ways that they can see. I love them, but sometimes it doesn't show because of my style. And I'm sure that over the next weeks I'll have even more epiphanies and regrets, but I can honestly tell you that I tried my hardest, I worked more than I was expected to. I sat through more meetings than I needed to. I took more abuse than most people would have. And I believe I can stand before God pretty clean. However, pray for me. Pray that God shows me more of my faults and my issues, helps me see my sins, gives me the humility to ask forgiveness for whatever part I've played and that I'm blind to. Question three from people is usually, what are you going to do now? The truth is, I have absolutely no idea. Maybe God's calling me out of the ministry. Maybe that really was my last sermon. Maybe this is a time for me to take a break from caregiving and ministry, sort of a enforced furlough or sabbatical time. And there's another church or ministry opportunity out there on the horizon. Maybe this is a time of discipline where I'm going to have to face some more difficulty because I'm so blind to my own sin, the only way I'll see it is through more misery. As Charles Spurgeon said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. In other words, I know the trouble that I face, including my current situation and whatever misery that has passed and is to come, are all meant as waves that smash me up against the solid foundation of God and his word. And I'll embrace that storm. I'll embrace those waves if it means I'll meet God in a deeper way and know more about myself. I don't want that to happen. 
I'd rather this be a nice time of rest and recuperation and then on to bigger, better things. But that's completely up to God. And I'll just keep following him. He'll lead the way forward. He always has. I just have to wait and wait and wait until he shows me or until my ears are open enough to hear. The fourth question people ask is usually, well, how can I support you? There are three ways I figure you can support me. First, pray for me and my family. My wife has a lot of health issues, even broke her foot recently, and we just lost our health care and our prescription coverage, so that's going to be rough. My kids are obviously a little worried about what their future holds, and I wonder if, without the external pressure of ministry holding me together, if I run the risk of falling apart. Plus, I have no idea what I'm going to do for work at this point, so my family really does need prayer. Second, speaking of work, if you want to help out, consider throwing some support at my little side businesses of 3D printing and dice making. Follow Al's 3D printer on Instagram and Facebook and Etsy. Tell your friends. Maybe even buy something if you think it's worth it. If I can actually turn it into a viable business, it'll allow me a lot more flexibility with life. Plus, I super duper enjoy doing the work, and I smile the whole time I'm doing it. So it's actually quite therapeutic, too. I know starting a small business is really hard, especially now. But you know what? Why not try? Maybe that's what God has in mind. Maybe not. We'll see. Third, you can always send me some monthly financial support through my Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com slash ninja, and their system will automatically transfer whatever amount you pledge to me each month. I know that it seems a little weird, but I think it's biblically okay for me to share my financial needs with my Christian family and people who appreciate my ministry and ask if they'll help me out. So just, if you want to, Use my Patreon. And that's it. I feel a little bad about that episode because it was kind of all about me. But we'll get back to our interesting articles and resources and study Pilgrim's Progress next week. A friend of mine who was also going through a time like this said that I should commit right away to keep studying or I'm going to fall apart even more. So that's what I'm going to do and that's what these podcasts are for. To study, sharpen, and share with you. So God bless and have a great day. I'll talk to you next week.